back to the Crossover Across Time podcast for a Friday episode at the end of the uh, the week, getting ready for the weekend and closing up, wrapping up second round action. Um, we talked about on Wednesday that going into yesterday and today, being Thursday and Friday, that we had a good chance of getting these series wrapped up, even if we didn't. You know, game sevens would have been scheduled for this weekend anyways. So um, we had some series wrap up over the last couple of days, three of the four series. And now we're getting a real good look at what the conference finals will look like. Um, before we get any further, uh, first things first, I am your host, Carson. Welcome to the show uh, or welcome back to the show, whether you've listened previously or uh, are brand new to the show. Uh, we welcome you. Welcome you all and appreciate your support on the podcast. Um Again, yeah, this is our last episode for our second round coverage. Our next episode, which will come on Monday. Again, we've been doing Monday, Wednesday, and Friday so far in the playoffs. Our next episode, which comes uh, this Monday, will be the beginning of our conference finals coverage. So we're very excited about that. Um, As far as today's show, excuse me, I'm I'm clearing my throat uh, throughout this. But as far as today's show, uh, we're going to be summarizing the uh the four games from uh four games total that being two from last night and two from tonight um three of those being series closing games and one of them uh tying the series and forcing a game 7 uh, so that'll be very exciting we'll also have a, a few news items to cover um preview that lone game we'll have this weekend and then uh pretty much wrap the show up for you so it won't be too long of a show before we get started, um, I also hope that I'm not, you know, thrown off by uh, something outside of the podcast um, and outside of the material. I have a, this is off topic. I have an office chair that I've had for about two or three years at this point. And when I got it, I remember there is a feature where the lower back, oh, you can plug it in via USB and it will vibrate. And I was mentioning, I was talking about my chair to somebody today and realized that that whole time I had never tried out the vibration. So we're giving it a try right now. I plugged it in just about a couple minutes before we started. Um, and uh, it's definitely powerful. It's, it's a pretty strong vibration. We'll see if miraculously my back problems are cured by the end of this podcast or if it's just... Uh, you know, oh, it vibrated the whole time. So anyways, off topic, let's go ahead and get into the actual um, podcast for you today. Let me make sure all of my formatting on my uh, prep work is correct. And let's dive in. Uh, excuse me. Again, apologies if I am either clearing my throat or um, sniffling a lot. I uh, just had a little bit of a runny nose come on over the last couple hours. So uh, we're going to start with the the one series that is yet to finish up, and that is your Celtics Sixers series, um, the first of our playoff series so far this year to go to a game of seven. Um, it was game six was uh, two, Thursday night. It was the first of the two games from Thursday night last night. And uh, going into that game, the Sixers held a three to two lead after a very impressive game five victory in Boston. You know, that was one where. At that point, excuse me, when the series was tied two to two, it felt like 
the home teams had a good chance to win the remaining games and maybe it would be a narrow Boston victory. But then after game five, where the Sixers won it, then the momentum very much switched, uh, switched to the uh, the Sixers' favor as far as, hey, they've got a 3-2 lead. They're going back home. That crowd has a chance to fuel uh, you know, a conference finals berth that they haven't had for a while. You know, that's gonna be that's gonna be a tough road for the Celtics to face. And that's what it was coming into game six. Down three two, facing elimination, and the Celtics were able to respond and get the victory. And a lot of it came in fourth quarter, especially with a tough uh you know, few quarters from some of their key players, uh Jason Tatum especially. Um and we'll get into the specifics. Just kind of a wild affair. Um, early, the Celtics had the bigger leads. They got the be- better start in the game, um, led by as many as 16 points uh, for a few minutes in the mid-second quarter. Uh, double-digit leads for a good chunk of that time. Um, going into halftime, Celtics had a nice lead. And then in the third quarter, the Sixers retook the lead. It looked like they made the right adjustments. They were going to quell that storm and they were going to be able to get the victory, you know, and um, game was pretty much tied going in the fourth quarter uh, throughout that end of third quarter, beginning first, you know, first while of the fourth quarter, 10 different lead changes game went back and forth. That was actually where I was able to tune in and see some interesting um you know, discrepancies in the, uh, uh, you know, foul calls. Um, one fan base saying referees are helping out. The other would, you know, I don't know. It, it's one of those things where you get in these interesting stretches, some unique calls. Um, I'm kind of rambling, but it was a one of those stretches where it's kind of 50-50 and there's those outside factors as far as a call that, is unexpected and it kind of jostles everybody and everybody on both teams, you know? Um, anyways, long story short, the last several minutes of the fourth quarter, the Celtics went on a run and the Sixers didn't, didn't respond, you know, listening into the broadcast, Doris Burke was on call. She was doing the color commentary and she was quick to point out the body language of the 76ers. Um, and, you know, I don't like to be the speculative guy as far as um, something like that instantly informing a a point about that team's uh, mindset or effort. Um, but we can certainly say the Sixers have to be disappointed with this loss. Anytime you lose, of course, is disappointing, but especially with such a tremendous opportunity to close out a series. Um against a team and a franchise that has had the upper hand throughout much of their histories. And especially over the last several years, you know, this was a great chance to exercise some of those demons, you know, you further um, celebrate the MVP season of Joel one, Joel Embiid. So it's tough, you know, and thinking about that Philadelphia fan base, I didn't, get to hear the last couple minutes of that game, but their response after losing that game, I imagine they are a fierce combination of livid and petrified that they're going to lose game seven, you know, going back to Boston 
it's a tough atmosphere. Um, and you look at the performances for the Sixers. Yeah, it's solid games from Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey. Uh, Embiid with 26 points, 10 rebounds, three blocks, a steal, an assist. Uh, four turnovers a little high, but overall, solid game. Uh, not a disappointing game at all. Tyrese Maxey, great game, 26 points, five boards, three assists, and three steals. The defensive impact, the offense, he did everything he needed to do. James Harden with 13 points, nine assists, seven rebounds, three steals, a block, and five turnovers. Overall, pretty disappointing game. You know, I mean, he he was four of 16 from the floor. The five free throws helped make up some of those points, some of that points deficit, but only making four shots from the floor. It's just tough. And I hate pointing that out because he's had, without Harden's play in this series, the Celtics would have had a good chance to have already won the series. Harden was huge in multiple games in the series already. And so it's important we take note of a poor performance in a key game, but we should also be aware that, hey, he has delivered in this series, you know, not just in his his Houston Rockets days or in regular season games for the Sixers. He's delivered in this very series, you know, and he deserves credit for that. But we also shouldn't shy away from pointing out that, you know, struggle type of a game. Uh, Tobias Harris, two points. That is especially tough, you know, and he's the forgotten piece. I mean, everything else, again, very solid. Six boards, three assists, two steals, two blocks. Doing everything else he can when that offense isn't going. But even that being said, one of seven from the floor, he's a guy that needs to get at least that kind of 12-point you know, that's kind of like a minimum 10 to 12 points, you know, that's still not a great game for Tobias Harris in my view, but if he can get those kind of points, then he hasn't let them down in that aspect. Um, You know, PJ Tucker, eight points. We don't, you don't really expect him to be a big point scorer for that. So that's not really an issue. And then off the bench, a combined 11 points off the bench for the Sixers bench scoring Tobias Harris, not being able to get those points. Harden, maybe a bit, off as well just the Sixers in general not as sharp as they would like to be you know uh Embiid and Harden with some a little bit higher turnovers although the team was not terrible turning the ball over um yeah just they just weren't able to get quite get it done and especially you look at the Celtics playing a much shorter rotation um dealing with it kind of actually I they had just barely shifted their lineup more to what they had in the finals last year. Finally starting Robert Williams the third, Horford and Tatum at the forwards, Jalen Brown now at the shooting guard and Marcus Smart at the point guard. Um and maybe that was the key key to success. They finally unlocked what they had last year. Um and it, again it was in spite of poor performances. The high scorer for the Celtics was Marcus Smart, 22 points, seven boards, seven assists, and two steals. Great all-round game. You can't get too much better out of Marcus Smart than what he got there. A phenomenal game. Tatum, 19 points, nine boards, six assists, two steals, two blocks. He had four turnovers himself. The Celtics actually had more turnovers than the Sixers did. More turnovers, one more foul, less rotation guys you know so it's just so bizarre to me that the celtics won this game you know 
Uh, 17 points for Jalen Brown, six boards, four assists. 16 off the bench for Brogdon with six boards, two assists, a steal. Nine points off the bench for Derek White, two rebounds, an assist, a steal, a block. And 10 points, nine boards, two blocks for Robert Williams III. And that's interesting as well. You look at the Celtics, two players in total came off their bench. You know, seven players played the whole game for the Celtics. And those two off the bench, White and Brogdon, combined for 25 points, easily outscored the Sixers bench. They about doubled the Sixers bench uh, performance. The starters scoring just about equaled or, or even out outdid the Sixers in some ways. Um, you know, it's just so strange. You think about the Sixers team, they just pick up in, in the final score. Boston won this game 95 to 86 in this season, especially with such high octane offense. Um, Sixers lose by nine with those circumstances. They just pick up a few points from a bunch of guys. They win this game and they win a series, you know, and they can still win the series, but it's just a tougher situation. The field goal percentages are a big part of this too. The Celtics shot 42% from the floor and about that same percentage or even slightly better from three, 87% from the free throw line. Sixers were actually better from the free throw line, 95%, but they were 36% from the floor and a woeful 23.5% from three-point range. And so really tough loss for the Sixers. Now they go into game seven, which is our only game this weekend. They go into game seven and uh, they need to steal yet another game on the road, which would be their third road victory of the series. Uh, having given up two, two at home, they'd have to get their third road win in the series to win the series and move on to the conference finals, get over the hump and the Celtics. They've, hung around they've had off games they've had great games i should have mentioned that tatum i believe it was 14 of those 19 points came in the fourth quarter alone so he has a really rough game and he just pulls it together at the end to still get the victory um oozing with confidence you know the celtics feel like hey we've had some really off games we've had some bad individual performances We've hung around in this series, and now we're at Game 7 at home, and it's a blank slate. Tatum finished off the last game on a good note, and the Celtics have the, the better positioning in that aspect. Um, So it's going to be tough for the Sixers to win that Game 7. It's not impossible. And, you know, they've talked about on different broadcasts with different um commentators at various points the advantage that the losing team has the team that lost the last game the advantage of being able to come back and have that sense of urgency that will to get a win after a loss you know um and that's fair and this will be a great test to see the true extent of that um so yeah game seven the only remaining game in the second round um with that let's go ahead and Recap the other three games, which led to series victories, starting with a blowout victory and a disappointing end to a season that had a lot of promise, especially late in the season. Uh, The Denver Nuggets route the Phoenix Suns uh, 125 to 100 
in Phoenix game six, the Nuggets came into it with a three, two lead. They got that game six victory. They're moving on to the Western conference finals. Uh, their second appearance in the Western conference finals in um, about four years. Last time was in 2020 in the bubble. Uh, and that's another interesting note we'll touch on. Uh, first majority of that first quarter, very close eight lead changes back and forth. And then they, the Nuggets kicked into a gear late in the first quarter, and they racked up points. And they got the lead all the way up to about 18 or so going into the second quarter. Lead stayed there. They went on another little run to get it up to 30, and the game's over. I mean, you're down to 30 going into halftime. You've, you have the, the series deficit. You've had big question marks about the bench the whole series, and your stars have had to really continually be above and beyond their normal production. You just can't sustain it, you know, and the Suns didn't seem to have any answers. The Nuggets were the more well-rounded team, and uh, they just won the game outright. And especially for the Suns, you know, this has been done to death already on social media, but to lose... After the the Mavericks loss last year, which was in the second round, it was a game of seven. But after that loss, which was about the same kind of a margin, the very next year you add Durant, give up the depth, but you add Durant and you have the the same outcome. Essentially, it's just brutal, you know, and now there's questions about. I mean, Chris Paul won't be playing for too much longer. He's been in the league a long time, you know, just slightly less time than LeBron has been in the league. How much longer does Chris Paul have? What does that do to impact the Suns squad? You know, how do they address their depth issues? That's the raises a lot of interesting questions. And a lot of that is probably more well-suited for an off season centric podcast in which we break down you know that's probably that'll probably be part of our schedule we'll look at certain teams and what they'll try and do next season part of our free agency and our draft type um talk but right now just a disappointing loss uh in this game and in this series you look at the scores for game six for the suns uh cameron Payne actually led them in scoring 31 points six rebounds two assists 23 points for Kevin Durant, uh, five boards, five assists. Durant still able to maintain that, but Booker, who's been un- otherworldly, you know, finally showed that he was in fact human. 12 points, eight assists, a steal, a block. You can't get mad at Booker at all, though. I mean, historic offensive stretch through most of this playoffs, and then they're in a point where, despite all that, they're facing elimination in the second round. And there's probably that general feeling of, you know, even if they win that series, you know, teams like the Lakers or the Warriors could be a very difficult matchup um, in some senses, you know, not maybe as tough as the Nuggets. I don't know. It's just kind of, a, you know, there was going to be a letdown at some point in some way or another. And so you can't blame Booker. Jock Landale actually started at center. He had 13 points, five boards, 
one block. That was another thing. They were without DeAndre Ayton, too. So you're going in without two of your key players, Chris Paul or DeAndre Ayton. Your your star players are expected to do even more, you know, and it it just, you know, you wonder if there's that feeling of things just broke down. You know, it's just too much, too much weight for too few of players to carry. And then you look at the, the Nuggets, Jokic, a 30-point triple-double, 32 points, uh, 12 assists, 10 rebounds, three steals, a block, filling up the stat sheet. Phenomenal, as you'd expect. 26 points for Jamal Murray, four boards, four assists, four steals. He has been maintaining just about the same kind of play that he had in the bubble when they were when they last went to the conference finals and he had an out of this world playoff series or playoff run, you know, and if he's not quite there, he's like, you know, a half step or maybe just a step down, still very stellar. Contavious Caldwell Pope stepping up with a huge game, 21 points, five boards, three assists, two steals, a block, doing everything. 13 off the bench for Bruce Brown, 10 for Michael Porter Jr. Uh, And then, you know, it looks like about six other nuggets with at least a few points to really spread out the scoring, get that additional, you know, offense going. I really like the Nuggets' depth. Again, beating a dead horse, the Suns' depth was the biggest issue for them. And the Nuggets look very strong. And with this now set, we know the Western Conference Finals, that is going to be a super intriguing series. The matchup of those two teams, those two different stories. Um, it's a rematch. You know, it's going to be very exciting. Um, as far as final thoughts on this one, this game and the series, um, kudos to the Nuggets getting it done, getting over the hump of the past couple seasons. And now they have a chance to go to the finals if they can win that series. Uh, so it's going to be very exciting. Let's jump to today's games. The first of which decided our first uh, team that will be in the Eastern Conference Finals, and that is the Miami Heat, the eighth seed in the Eastern Conference, a team that, you know, if the Bulls had had a little bit of a bit a bigger run in a play-in game, a team that could have missed the playoffs entirely, and yet they upset the Milwaukee Bucks in the first round, they upset the Knicks in the second round, and now they are in the Conference Finals. Uh, the Heat win that game in Miami, 96-92, to um, close game, exciting game, exciting series, you know, very interesting series. Of course, we've talked about the history of the series. Um, for the Knicks, you really can't complain with the season. Your big offseason acquisition exceeded expectations. He had some disappointments from Randall in some ways, you know, whether it was health going into the series or maybe some off games, but you know, you continue to build a really interesting core. Thibodeau's doing a great job. And so, you know, Knicks can't complain too much. Obviously, dis- disappointing when you have a chance to maybe even make it to a conference finals. Um, but for the Heat, they have the experience, they have the star, and they're able to get it done. Uh, again, 96-92, game six. Miami takes the series four games to two. Uh, looking at the flow of this game, Knicks actually held a big early lead. They looked like they really had something going and were maybe going to try and force a game seven. Uh, but the Heat stuck right with it. 
The lead never got too big. 14 points was the largest lead for the Knicks. Uh, nine lead changes throughout, and the Heat maintained a steady lead for much of the second half, leading by as many as nine midway through the fourth quarter. Again, close throughout. Heat just able to make the better adjustments uh, and hold on to the lead late. For the Knicks, their leading scorer, Jalen Brunson. And again, this is what I'm talking about. Their big offseason acquisition. He is the star of that team. And that's maybe if I want to be unequivocal and be the big statement guy. Randall was the all-star and he was the all-NBA team member. He's a great player. He's an all-star caliber player. Absolutely. He has off games. Jalen Brunson has emerged as, you know, the main guy almost. And it does feel a bit premature to say that perhaps after just one full season. But I feel like that season exceeds what Randall did in that first all-star season with New York, you know, in some way or another, there's just something a little bit different about it. Brunson really, you know, showed no fear in the series, taking it to him. And I feel like he's going to be, he's going to be able to maintain this. I mean, it started with the, the Dallas, you know, when he was with the Mavericks with that playoff series in last year's playoffs, <clears throat> translated that into a great regular season. He's still fairly young. So I think he's going to be, excuse me, able to kind of keep this going and maintain this level of play. I anticipate him making at least one or two all-star games, being an all-NBA, you know, third or second team guy once or twice. You know, I think he he can do that for a few years for this Knicks team and really be that star. Randall can be the co-star. Um, RJ Barrett, hopefully he continues to kind of grow as well. Um, but yeah, it's it, it, to me, it's Jalen Brunson's team. 41 points, four rebounds, three assists. Randall, 15 points, 11 boards, three assists, two blocks. Tough shooting game. And uh, a tough series. He did deal with an ankle injury coming into it. So we should certainly factor that in. 11 points each for RJ Barrett and Josh Hart. Hart coming off the bench. But then for Miami, 24 for Jimmy Butler with eight boards, four assists. Um, Not this otherworldly game. He only shot like 32% from the floor. But solid. They got 23 points, nine boards, two steals, a block from Bam Adebayo, 14 points for Max Struess, 11 off the bench for Kyle Lowry. Neither team ultra red hot offensively, uh, but the Heat with the home court advantage, with the experience, just able to outplay the Knicks. And that's just kind of what it really comes down to. I talked a lot more about the Knicks than I did with the Heat. And that's just because, you know, with the Heat, it gets kind of, easy to understate them because it's almost like the Warriors on a much smaller scale, much more recent scale, not, not that quite yet championship scale in terms of they've been doing it for a while, you know, since Butler got to Miami in 2020, you know, those four years have been for the most part extended playoff success uh, a finals appearance, a and now two conference finals appearance uh, appearances. So it's kind of now par for the course. We know how great Jimmy Butler is, and the Heat can make it work with a lot of different looks, with some unique pieces, an interesting amalgamation, 
Kevin Love added to the mix along with Lowry, who was there last year. Um, you know, Duncan Robinson, Max Struess, Gabe Vincent, Cody Zeller playing. You know, it it's a really interesting mix. Um, I think their depth actually works very well, and they're and they're without Hero or, or or Oladipo. That makes the story even more interesting. And now they go to the conference finals, await the winner of either the Sixers or the Celtics. So we either have the Sixers with their first conference finals in a while and a rematch of last year's playoff defeat at the hands of the Miami Heat or the Celtics and the Heat facing each other in a a second consecutive conference final series. The Celtics looking to repeat as conference champions and the Heat looking to avenge last year's playoff defeat. Either storyline is going to be fantastic or would be fantastic. And so that'll be something to watch for. But again, don't mean to understate the heat. It's just kind of that piece of they've been there a while. So um, let's jump to that last game being the Lakers and the Warriors. Lakers hosting game six in Los Angeles with a 3-2 lead. They had a 3-1 lead going into Golden State. Um, Lost that game in San Francisco. So now with 3-2 lead going to Los Angeles. Same story with the heat and um yeah the lakers were able to get it done you know it was close at times it was a little bit you know the warriors were not going to go away easy um lakers actually got off to a really hot start in this one and this is the game of course that just wrapped up uh a couple hours ago or an hour ago or so um at one point in the first quarter they led by about 17 points I mean, they went on a run, and then the Warriors cut it right back down to about five, and they kept it close through the second half, or excuse me, the second quarter up to halftime. Third quarter, Lakers go on a great run. They maintain it in the fourth, even another little spurt at the beginning of the fourth quarter. Lakers responded. They got business done at home. They had great individual play, great team play, and they're able to get the job done and get the victory. Looking for the Warriors, their last game of the season. Steph Curry, 32 points, six boards, five assists, a steal, a block. The percentage is not that stellar, but he's had a phenomenal playoff run, reminding us why he's likely one of the top. You know, we, obviously, he's the greatest shooter of all time. I think it's fair to say he's one of the top five point guards of all time. He's He's earned that right. You know, obviously, you have your Magic Johnsons, your John Stockton's your um you know maybe throw a, a Jerry West in that mix or Isaiah Thomas um you know it, there's any number and Stephen Curry from a scoring perspective from championships and from underrated all-round ability to play especially in the recent years with rebounding efforts he can still distribute the ball passing vision handle He's got to be a top five point guard, uh, you know, top three to five player of our generation of the decade. However you want to clarify that phenomenal. You can't overstate what he's done as a player. 16 points for Dante DiVincenzo. Those two were the only double figure scorers. Um, 18 rebounds for Gavon Looney. He kept that up, although he did not start in this game. He still came off the bench with that, you know, revamped lineup. Um, 
Yeah, Draymond Green, nine points, nine boards, three assists, a block. Clay Thompson with only eight points. Jordan Poole, seven points. Andrew Wiggins with uh, six points. And, you know, maybe the Warriors just didn't have enough. They weren't able to find whatever that championship gear was. Um, Maybe they were gassed. Maybe they, you know, based the, you know, cobbled together some runs. I don't know. It, it, that might be a bit unfair as far as, you know, we know they had a struggle in the regular season and um, being able to string together a playoff victory against a tough Sacramento team. It was a seven game, you know, dog fight. Um, and I'm realizing now I misspoke earlier about the, the uh, Celtics Sixers series. I said that was the first one to go to seven games. That's the second series to go to seven games. The first, of course, was the Warriors-Kings. Apologies for misspeaking about that. But um, an absolute dogfight um, with the Kings. So they were they had a little bit more wear and tear. Then they're in a dogfight with the Lakers trying to force a game seven. Those guys are getting older. They've had that wear and tear from championships in the past already. I mean, any any number of factors, you know. Or it could just be that, you know, they just had an off game. And that's really all there is to say about it. But then you look at the Lakers, and again, they really responded. And uh, they did it through a little bit of adversity. Uh, Dennis Schroeder actually was ejected in this game, received two technical fouls. Um, One of them, the second one that got him ejected, was an interaction with Draymond Green. Um, And it was actually a double technical, but that was Schroeder's second, so he was ejected. Um, so, So he finished that game early after actually starting at the at one of the guards alongside D'Angelo Russell. So you wonder if that could have impacted the game, but it didn't seem to make too much of a difference. LeBron with 30 points, nine boards, nine assists, two steals, a block, unbelievable percentages in that gear where, okay, this is why he's in the conversation for greatest player of all time. This is, you know, what makes him an unbelievable talent, an unbelievable, unbelievable player, why he's won championships. Uh, alongside him, Austin Reeves, 29 or 23 points, five boards, six assists. Great game. Super excited to see what he can do in a conference finals. 19 points for D'Angelo Russell. Um, pretty decent percentages there. Anthony Davis, 17 points, 20 rebounds, two steals, two blocks, and three assists. Not a huge scoring game, but again, he doesn't always have to do that, especially with LeBron as a co-star. For AD to still get it done, rebounding defensively, you know, filling in a, a team role and picking up 17 points just as a, you know, that's like a baseline. That's great for them to be able to do. And then they got 13 points off the bench from Lonnie Walker. A little bit of a rebound after that tough game five. Uh, a handful of points from some other guys. And now the Lakers go on to the conference finals. They face the Denver Nuggets. And we're going to save a lot of those in-depth series previews for Monday's show uh, because by Monday we will know the winner of the Celtic Sixers series and we'll be able to break down both conference final series for you. So we won't get too much in-depth, but I will just say you know, a rematch of the 2020 conference finals in the bubble. That itself is a unique and interesting storyline. Um but more so the Lakers being a seventh seed. They were two and 10 at the beginning of the regular season. It was a big talking point. 
and I've already talked about this already, probably ad nauseum, but to have that start and be able to elevate themselves to a playoff berth or a play-in berth where they won their first play-in game, got that locked-in playoff spot, and then to elevate themselves to a conference finals. And just what a turnaround from one year ago where they started off the season hot, they had made the biggest, you know, acquisition in the offseason with the Russell Westbrook addition alongside Anthony Davis and LeBron. They were projected to be in the finals that year and they missed the playoffs and play in tournament in its entirety. You know, it's a complete reversal of that script from last year. And as much as I'm not really a Lakers fan at all, in fact, most of the time I'm very much rooting against the Lakers as a jazz fan, you know, there's a rivalry history there. Um, even though it might not always be very recognized by fans outside of those fan bases, but there is a rivalry, you know, there's some, some playoff history with both of those teams, some extended playoff history, but, uh, anyways, to the original point, as much as I'm not really ever rooting for the Lakers, I find myself rooting for them this year because it feels like a team of stars who have done it before they've won a championship who, kind of had to be humbled last year in terms of what it actually takes to be, you know, humbled, reminded, whatever it is, what it takes to be a championship contending team and a playoff team. It's more than just a collection of guys who have been really good, who have a lot of talent and who have done it before as far as, you know, they've had some playoff success or they've won some individual awards. You know, you don't just throw those guys together and automatically, okay, Here's your sixth seed. You know, you can punch that in. You can redeem that at the end of the season. We'll get you that sixth seed right away. You have to have that team cohesion. You have to respect that, you know, the value of the regular season, being able to put those wins together and use that time, not just as a, you know, bide your time to the playoffs, but it's a time to really build that team cohesion foster a true team with depth and with uh, versatility and, you know, be truly prepared for the playoffs, you know, and again, it's a, it's a reversal. It feels like the Lakers really got that message. They understand it. And now, especially that they're in the playoffs, they're working as a real team there. There's been points in the game. I saw some of this game tonight where they're almost too unselfish at times, which is great to see. You know, there's there are also also times where a guy gets the ball and tries to just make it happen one on one, um, which isn't always terrible, but isn't always great either. But to have that actual team, you know, LeBron and Anthony Davis are going to be the stars, but Austin Reeves emerging and doing what he's done for them in their lineup. Um, You know, Jared Vanderbilt as a defender, Malik Beasley, Hachimura, Troy Brown, Lonnie Walker. You know, that 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 wing depth off the bench with the scoring piece, you know, that's super exciting to see for the Lakers and their matchup against the Nuggets. I think that's going to be very intriguing for the Warriors. Again, disappointing when you've won four championships over the past, you know, six or seven seasons or seven or eight seasons. You can't feel too bad. Obviously, you'd like to have had a chance to to push for that fifth championship, um, but. They're out of it now. They get a little bit of an earlier break, and uh, 
it'll be very interesting to see what happens with the Warriors next year, as it always is. Uh, but now the Lakers move on to face the Nuggets, and that is our last game from the last couple days of action. Um, real quick, jumping into that key news, uh, not a ton of items. We had a, uh, a new award winner for the 2023 NBA Awards, uh, Drew Holiday, repeats as Twyman Stokes' teammate of the year. Uh, and this is the third time in four years he's won this award. He won it in 2020. And then, of course, last year, 2022, and this year, 2023. So he's won it three times across four years. And in 2021, the year in that time span, he did not win the the teammate of the year. He won the Sportsmanship Award, the Joe, Joe Dumars Sportsmanship Award. So Holiday is very much like Mike Conley. Those two guys kind of over the last four or five seasons, five or six seasons, have had a monopoly on those two awards, the teammate of the year, the Sportsmanship Award. Um, if they still did Jay Walter Kennedy citizenship award, I'm sure they would have that one too. Um, but yeah, congratulations to drew holiday. Certainly well-deserving of that type of type of an award. Uh, one of the great pros and great teammates we have in the NBA, uh, some NBA specific news, uh, an update, something we've known schedule wise, probably for a little bit longer, but I've been kind of not seeing, not thinking about, the NBA's draft lottery for the upcoming 2023 draft will be held Tuesday at eight o'clock Eastern standard time. And that of course is the Victor Wenbanyama sweepstakes um, teams such as the Pistons, the Spurs, the Rockets, uh, and some others are going to be vying for his services on draft day. And uh, the draft lottery, will see who gets that, um, enviable spot of being the number one pick. So definitely keep your eyes and ears out for that. Also some auction related stuff. Interestingly enough, some fun side notes. Uh, firstly, Michael Jordan's dream team jacket, his warm up jacket uh, is reportedly heading to an auction and the early estimations report that it's expected to bring in between one to $3 million dollars. So that'll be very interesting. But then as far as auctions that have recently completed, Bill Russell's rookie card, one of his rookie cards recently auctioned for $660,000, the late great Bill Russell. Um, So yeah, some fun auction notes, kind of some, you know, break up the pace a little bit with our key news. Uh, Finally, some more awards, but these aren't really, you know, major official NBA awards. Uh, The 2023 NBA fan favorites winners have been announced, and this is just a fan vote type thing. They do it through the NBA app. Um, These are assist of the year, block of the year, dunk of the year, handle of the year, photo of the year, and style of the year. Uh, The assist of the year goes to uh, Luka Doncic. We're actually going to watch through these plays live. And this, these plays are available on the NBA's website. So you can see what these are. Oh, I remember this one. It was a cross court. I mean, he's being double teamed right in the corner. It's a trap. And he hops up baseball sidearm across the baseline to uh, Jaden Hardy in the, on the other corner. and, And he drains it. So that was a great assist. So let's check out the block of the year. This is from Giannis. Um, oh, yeah. Transition. They were playing the Lakers. Pretty sure it was a primetime game. Transition against the Lakers. LeBron going up for a layup. And Giannis skies and pulls the LeBron move and gets the chase down block off the glass. 
That's a fantastic one. Dunk of the year, Aaron Gordon. I remember this one. It was the Suns and Nuggets in the regular season. And Gordon pulls a J.R. Smith from the same spot J.R. Smith did it about um, 15 years prior. And elevates on Shamit, trying to take the charge. Absolutely slams his knee right into him. One arm. That's one of the great dunks of the last several seasons. Phenomenal choice. Handle of the year goes to KD uh, when he was with the Nets earlier in the season. Crossover on Gafford absolutely makes Gafford just about do the splits. Super tough crossover. And uh, yeah, Gafford goes completely down. Tough look. Photo of the year, Russell Westbrook. This one, as soon as it came out, it was a pretty unique picture. It's from right above above the court looking directly down on uh, the painted area and the restricted arc and Westbrook laying down flexing amped, you know, and one yelling out type situation. That's a great one. And then the style of the year, LeBron, uh, he gets the credit for, I guess, having the best style coming into games. So that's a cool one, but otherwise that is our key news uh, for the last couple of days. As far as game previews, um, like I said, we just have the one. The one game this weekend will be not Saturday, not tomorrow, so we have have one day off. And then Sunday, and that time has actually been posted now, Sunday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on ABC, the Boston Celtics, the two-seed in the East, will host the three-seed Philadelphia 76ers in a winner-takes-all, winner-go-home game seven with the series tied three to three. That is your final game of the second round. And then soon after that, uh, we have no games on Monday, but then we'll get the conference finals underway. And that will start on Tuesday with the Lakers Nuggets series. Again, once we do our Monday show, we'll have the specifics as far as schedule at that point with both series decided we'll have you know the exact schedule we'll know when games one through seven would be scheduled you know if games five six and seven are necessary for either series so we'll be able to give you a clear schedule update at that point um so that'll be very exciting but otherwise that's it for game previews we've done our news we've done our game summaries we're saving our big conference finals previews for monday's show and so otherwise, that's really all I have. You know, I think we went pretty in depth on a lot of those game summaries. So we're probably going to call it good, call it safe to wrap up the show here. And we'll start with our This Day in History fact. And for this one, we're not going back very far. 2019. Um, but we had to go with this one, especially because it's now part of our intro music. Uh, May 13th of January, uh, excuse me, May 13th of 2019. I almost may 13th of january something i don't know that would have been completely um incoherent may 13th of 2019 Kawhi leonard hit a shot from the corner over joel Embiid at the buzzer that bounced off the rim four times before falling to give the toronto raptors a 92 to 90 victory over the philadelphia 76ers uh in game seven of the eastern conference semifinals it was the first Winning a game winning buzzer beater in a game seven in NBA history. And it sounds kind of, you know, you would think after all that time that that would have happened at least once before, but it's true. In a game seven, a, a buzzer beater to win the series 
It had never happened before, and it hasn't happened since. I'm sure it will happen again at some point, but a uh, super cool moment. One of the great calls. Again, it's part of our intro music, and so you heard it before we even got started today. So uh, that being said, that's it for our show. Um, we've talked about the schedule. We've talked about, um, yeah, Monday will be mainly uh, series previews. We'll recap the other game as well, that that Sunday game, but that'll be the main focus. Um, and I, I believe that's really it. I'll plug our Instagram page. That's crossover across time on Instagram, all one word, no capital letters. On there, we share content from the show, but we also do our best to like and share content from across the NBA. So that, along with the podcast itself, is a great way to stay up to date with what's going on in the NBA, as well as to get that uh, additional historic perspective that we help to provide on the podcast. Um, So definitely check that out if you want to continue to support us in that way. We appreciate your continued support listening to the podcast. Um, Monday, we should have Wyatt back. Uh, again, the reason he wasn't on this Monday is he just had a, a family vacation planned. Um, and I think it was just for the week. So hopefully he's back on Monday. Um, you know, it could be one way or the other, kind of 50-50 there. But um, thanks again for listening. We really appreciate it. Uh, we'll probably wrap up things there, but we'll be back with you on Monday to begin conference finals coverage. Super stoked. And uh, we'll be we'll be back with you then. 